You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Lots and lots and lots to get to today. This is a nice time of the year. Um, although overwhelming, the news just kind of takes care of itself. So um, biggest challenge I'm having right now outside of just keeping up with everything is making sure there isn't a major piece of news that I just don't talk about at all. Because that's probably just going to happen. But uh, right out of the gate, before we get into preliminary type things, Mr. Johnny Coon decided to hang up the old cleats. If you got a couple minutes today, I'd go listen to his uh, farewell retirement ceremony thing. It's pretty cool. He's definitely a good guy. And in a way, uh, we, we do have a little bit of Antonio, well, not a little bit, a massive amount of Antonio Brown news. But in a way, it's, it's a really beautiful contrast if you think about it. On one hand, you've got the argument about Antonio Brown and why you don't want him to be here. And to be completely honest, John Kuhn is a perfect representation of why you don't want him to be here, but in a positive way, not in a negative way. What up, dance party? Mmm, intermission time. But the biggest problem and reason that I and a lot of people like me didn't want Antonio Brown is because of what he would do to the locker room, the fact that he would not be a good teammate, the fact that he would not put in the effort, the fact that he would not uh, play hard for his team, the fact that he would not put in the effort to to really grind and, and study and, and put in the effort. I mean, he's got a lot of ability. And there's no question that a lot of that ability came from hard work and effort. But at some point in his career, he became Hollywood, which is hilarious because that's literally his cousin's name. Well, nickname. But it, it, yeah, it's, he is Hollywood Brown. And John Kuhn is, is just, you know, John Kuhn will never be as impactful of a person or as a player as Antonio Brown. But in a lot of ways, he's a much better teammate to have than a guy like Antonio Brown. And you listen to what, what had been said about him in the past, about how, you know, Aaron Rodgers would say that, you know, you know if there's anybody on this team that knows more than Aaron Rodgers about this offense, it's John Kuhn. He knew that offense inside and out. He was a great teammate. He had the, the respect and trust of Aaron Rodgers. And it, you know, ju- just just looking at the contrast makes me feel so comfortable. And I'm glad the timing worked out the way it did that we did not get Antonio Brown. And if you haven't heard, we are not getting Antonio Brown. We need more John Coons. We don't need more Antonio Browns. I don't mean necessarily fullbacks. But, you, you, I mean, you, every Packer fan understands the value of John Coon, and I think that's the hard thing, is it was hard to articulate what we're talking about when we're saying the locker room matters. John Coon is what we're talking about. And it's just, it, it, it's almost hard to, it's upsetting, because you just think about how Aaron Rodgers acted and, and how he talked about John Coon and, and just how the locker room felt at that time and with people like John Coon, and it was, it was just different. You had leaders, you had 
this feeling of, of brotherhood and, and camaraderie. And, and it was just a group of people that worked really, really, really hard toward a common goal. And the common goal was to, to make the Green Bay Packers a championship football team. And I think the Packers lost that. I think the coaches began to get lax. I don't think. I know. That's, you know, David Bakhtiari talked about that. Things just got lax. The coaches stopped caring. The players stopped caring. You get a lot of young guys in there, and they see the lack of accountability. And I'm not talking about all of them. We know a lot of these guys are grinders, and they're, and they're hardworking people. And they're, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams seem like great guys. Jair seems like an incredible guy. I, I don't think it's an accident we drafted these guys. I think these are the character guys we want. These can be the Jair-type guys. I'm not trying to trash everybody. I think we saw the people leave that needed to leave. But we don't want to go back. We want to go forward with the guys like Jair Alexander. We want to go forward with the Mike Daniels. We want to go forward with the Aaron Jones and the Jamal Williamses. And the David Bakhtiaris and the, and the whoever's. Hard workers. And I'm not just trying to highlight good players, but hard workers and good teammates. People that know, not just because they, they have a high IQ, but because they're grinders. Because right now and yesterday and tomorrow and every day, they're studying the book. They're studying the playbook. Although they don't know the playbook. But you get what I'm saying. They're, they're working. They're working hard. Aaron Jones was just asked recently, what are you working on? He's working on, on receiving out of the backfield. Which is good because you always worry about uh, the answer to that question. Being, oh, uh, well, I've been in Mexico for about a month. Lots of alcohol. Swimming on the beach. Swimming is exercise, so that's cool. Football, football. I forgot about football. What have I been doing? You mean like in November or no? Off season, off season. Right, right. Ooh, ah. You know, I'm gonna start working on that right now. No, guys are working. So, anyways, um, congratulations to John Kuhn. A career well done. Talk about an unlikely career path. Jeez. I mean, go listen to what he had to say. It was, it was pretty cool. But just the fact that he was a fullback that had the impact that he did, not just as a football player, but on the community, on the fan base, on the team, in the locker room. He's one of those guys that just takes away excuses, man. You know, there's just no excuses. If John Kuhn can do what he did as far as, you know, why does a fullback need to know the offense as well as John Kuhn does? He doesn't. He doesn't. A lot of the information he knew was useless information. But you know what? He learned it anyways. He's a fullback. He has a very small playbook to figure out. He knew that thing inside and out. You know, what is what is the expectation of a fullback in terms of, of producing? I mean, how many... Fu- I'm, I'm, you get what I'm saying, right? He's one of those people that just takes away excuses. There are no excuses left when a guy like John Kuhn walks into the locker room. Because he goes above and beyond every day. So anyways, again, congrats to him and his family. But uh, before we transition in, once again, please, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review on iTunes... If you're listening on iTunes, uh, I don't know the process because I don't have it and I don't use it. But I'm guessing, um, I, I, I don't know why I would ever guess it's intuitive. It's probably not. But if you wouldn't mind just taking a minute out, I went through and, and looked at some of the other Packers podcasts just to kind of set some goals. Uh, some of them are probably, I don't want to say unattainable, but it's going to be tough to catch up. But uh, there, there are several that we could easily surpass. You know, if, if, if I could get 30 more reviews on there, you know, and there's, oh, it's 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 a fractional percentage. If I could get 30 today to go on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review, that would just put me in a whole new tier. If 
you don't have iTunes, use iTunes. Again, Stitcher is a great alternative. Stitcher.com, find Packernet Podcast, bottom right-hand side, leave a rating and review. It takes, I don't know what, 15 seconds. Um, obviously, there's no obligation, but if you appreciate the time that I put in, I would greatly appreciate a, a couple minutes of your time. That would be awesome. It would do me a lot of good. And uh, I, I, I keep getting calls and texts, and I, I really appreciate it. I've had several people reach out to try to help. I've had some people reach out about the... Um, the talk to text stuff um, had somebody reach out about the uh, this is going to be a, a heavy um podcast because my brain isn't working I apologize uh, NFL big board with that that whole process of, of taking those boards and then turning it into the aggregated board I have on my site my hunch is he's not going to be able to help because it is already a, a, a convoluted mess but if he is an Excel wizard um, that would just be the greatest day of my life to see if he could simplify that for me a little bit but um, I'm going to work on that this weekend. But if you do have uh, any questions for the podcast Packers related, if you have any comments, what grinds my gears that is Packer related, please 608-501-0718-608-501-0718. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, well, because it's uh, we're still in this news and notesy period of time, um, we're, we're probably just going to have another one of those kinds of days. But in an effort to not forget any of the big stuff, I want to start with the uh, the big guns right out of the gate here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are finally doing it. Uh, as I had mentioned, they wanted to try to get something done by Friday. They wanted all the offers in on Friday. And um, they apparently didn't even make it to Friday. They got an offer from the Buffalo Bills, and apparently they're uh, they're closing in on a, on a, an official trade. Um, to be completely honest, the, the, the interesting thing is there were a lot of teams as this was closing in, that we're bailing, that we're saying we're, we're done. Uh, the, the Broncos, uh, several days ago, said we're not doing it, that the Jets, the Redskins, the Titans, the Raiders even bowed out. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if once the Raiders said we're out, if it wasn't so much that they got a deal that they just couldn't refuse, I would be willing to bet the Brown or the, the, uh, the Bills, who had an offer in, the Steelers just kind of jumped on it because they were losing everybody. So they, they just called up the Browns. Why do I keep wanting to say the Browns? It's going to be a horrible day. It's, it's Friday, right? It better be Friday. How could it be a bad day? It's Friday. It's payday. Everything going to go my way day. Everybody going to hear what I got to say? I'm out this thing till Monday. I wouldn't be surprised if it just got down to the point where they called up the Buffalo Bills and said, Hey, man, you still in on this thing? Let's just do it. Because everybody's just backing out because Antonio Brown can't keep his mouth shut and stop being crazy. 
But uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. The compensation isn't known yet, but it wouldn't be too surprising if it's a second-round pick. The Buffalo Bills um, obviously picking very high. They wanted a first-round pick. Um, but again, if, if the Bills offered an early second, which is you know late first, early second is pretty close, especially in this year's draft, as I've said, that range is going to be very, very similar. Um, in comparison, by the way, to other drafts, and it's not like I've been monitoring this very closely but as a fan of a team that picks usually late first usually it seems like there's a cutoff between 20 and 25 like there's just this drop off to where the second or the the latter part of the first round is basically the early part of the second round this draft just feels entirely different so I don't know the compensation there may be something in addition to that maybe the bills even worked it out like I'll give you our second but you got to give us something back I, I don't know we'll, we'll see how how hefty this deal is no possible way on this planet they gave up their first. But it makes a lot of sense. The Buffalo Bills need to help their offense. And it's funny because I actually mentioned this. I said they should give them to the Jets. Alternatively, the, the better option would be the Bills because the Steelers hate the Patriots. And to dump one of the best wide receivers on the Bills and the Jets and or the Jets to take on the Patriots, not like that's going to make that big of a difference, but um, I think it makes sense. Um, also, we will not be playing the Bills, so great. We, we won't see them unless they're in the Super Bowl, in which case this would have been one of the greatest trades of all time, to take the Buffalo Bills to the Super Bowl in one year. But no, I mean, I, I listened to uh, the, I believe it was the GM of the Bills talk on Ian Rappaport's podcast, which um, I think the best way to phrase it is the worst podcast that you just have to listen to, <laughs> because... The inside information on there, because, you know, he's an insider and he gets GMs. His first ever guest was Bri uh, uh, Bill Belichick. He's had Gutekunst and everything else, but it is just painful to listen to it, man. I just hate it. But anyways, you listen to him talk and, you know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Everything's kind of new. They're kind of coming into their second year. You know, LaShawn McCoy couldn't really find his groove, but he's still a really talented guy. So you got LaShawn McCoy. You've got your rookie quarterback going into his second year. You've got a offensive coordinator going into his second year. Now you've got Antonio Brown added into the mix. So you've got a young, talented quarterback, maybe, not so sold on that. You've got a clear number one wide receiver who's beyond talented and, and in multiple ways. If You know, Josh Allen has a cannon. So if A.B. wants to beat him deep, he can throw it deep. But, you know, the, the amount of work he can do in the short and intermediate routes. Very, very helpful. And it offers up a little bit of flexibility in the draft for the Bills. Uh, they, they draft relatively early. They're at 9. But um, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they take an offensive lineman at 9. Uh, I would have said maybe that's a little bit early. But um, I, 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 I just think it's one of those things you don't mind reaching on. So maybe they trade back, but I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, unless a, an offensive lineman goes at like seven to the Jaguars, which probably isn't going to happen, um, I would say they're going to stay and get an offensive lineman, that or trade back. Because they still need help on offense, and offensive line is going to be the biggest thing. And, and that's, that was the whole point of this Antonio Brown trade, is they need to fix the offense. That's what he said on the Ian Rappaport podcast. That is the priority. You know, they had one of the top defenses, depending on what metric you use, whatever metric he used, said they were like top two and three, which I think is very disputable. But anyways, that is my expectation. I suppose it's not impossible if DK fell to nine, they would take DK and just try to have this ridiculous duo. But I don't think so. Or, you know, maybe even tight end, though, if you think about it. But whatever. Offensive line is going to be my assumption at nine. Just an FYI, as we uh, get closer to the draft, the Packers sitting at 12. Um, probably can slot in offensive line for the Bills. Um, another report, it's it's kind of interesting, um, 
this was just barely touched on yesterday, and then within a couple hours it, it becomes, I, I guess, kind of official. Uh, and that is the Denver Broncos, who have acquired a new quarterback, will be sending Case Keenum to the Washington Redskins for very little compensation. So the Redskins were very much supposedly in on the Rosen talks, if that's even real. But that likely, as, I, as, as I've said, I don't, I don't buy the third round. I would think that it would cost more than a third, maybe a third and then some, possibly up to and including a second round pick. But if you look at this, they're, they're offering up a sixth round, they get back a seventh. So almost no compensation they had to give up in the draft. They're basically just taking on his contract. Uh, right now, his reworked contract, I guess the Washington Redskins are going to be paying him $7.5 million in 2019. Denver's going to take on uh, $4 million. Now, the hardest part for Washington is, is the fact that they don't have a lot of money, which is why this kind of makes sense. But the, the Alex Smith situation is kind of a nightmare because of the massive amount of money. And uh, it's one of those things where if they were to cut Alex Smith, all of his contract um, guarantees get accelerated into the current year, and it would just destroy their cap. So they have to pay him this year, basically. I mean, they don't have to, but, you know, it kind of just makes sense to pay him a lot of money to not play. So that's the hard part for the Washington Redskins as far as acquiring somebody that's that's a big high-dollar guy. It's why they were probably never going to get a guy like Foles. Now, I don't exactly know what this means in terms of drafting a quarterback. My assumption is they're not going to. I, I continue to stand by my assertion that there are not a lot of good quarterbacks in this class. You could say Kyler Murray, and I'll admit, I, I was kind of hard on Kyler Murray, but um, I watched uh, Mark Jarvis uploaded a video of him against uh, Texas, maybe? He looked pretty good. I, I kind of liked watching him play. The first play, he did take off and run, and I instantly rolled my eyes, but he's, I don't know. He almost kind of reminds me of Baker a little bit, as much as people kind of want to discard that. Just how, like, hyper he is coming out of that snap, like, with his feet, like, trying to hurry and, you know, just, I don't know how to describe it, but just very rapidly going through his progressions, almost like violently, the way he moves his feet quickly and everything. I think he has potential to be a pretty good quarterback. I don't know that he's going to be a good quarterback. I would bet on Kyler Murray way before I would bet on, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson who I think was mostly just athleticism, although I did like his cannon of an arm. So I don't know, we'll see. But but we're talking about the Washington Redskins sitting at 15. My guess is they got Case Keenum. They're going to play Case Keenum. He's a, a mid-tier kind of quarterback, low mid-tier, whatever. They'll ride it out. They'll probably miss the playoffs. And then next year, having, you know, potentially a top 10 pick, they'll, they'll maybe look at um, drafting a quarterback next year. That would be my assumption. So again... Looking at it from the Packers' perspective, a lot of these, these the idea of as many as four quarterbacks going in the top ten is just falling rapidly, especially as we continue to hear, not that it's a guarantee, Jacksonville's exploring other options, one of their options was Case Keenum, by the way, but if Jacksonville gets Nick Foles, we're basically just hoping Arizona takes Kyler Murray, because who else? 49ers don't want a quarterback, Jets don't want a quarterback, maybe Oakland, the, the idea would be that if Arizona does not take Kyler Murray, Oakland probably will. Um, Tampa, maybe, maybe, but I just don't think so. Um, I think the new head coach over there is going to wait and see what happens. And again, maybe attack it next year. Uh, the Giants, maybe, but again, we, we still got a guy like Brissett out there. So, you know, Kyler Murray is going to be gone. Will a team like the Giants or Tampa or Oakland pull the trigger on a, a, a Haskins or Drew Locke, uh, Daniel Jones, any of these guys? I, I don't know. 
Denver also could pull the trigger. They, they, I mean, just getting rid of Case Keenum is kind of telling because they don't have a, they, they don't have a long-term option. So there could still be quarterbacks going, but every time you hear more and more of this news of, of guys just saying, forget it, we'll just take guys that are available in the NFL currently, it's kind of like, oh, man, come on. What happened to that quarterback flurry? Washington was supposed to trade up and get somebody. But we'll see. I, I, I think we can take Washington off that list. But we'll see what happens there. Um, again, lots of news and notes, so it's going to sound a little bit random doesn't really flow very nicely, but there was another report, and it, it was essentially an allegation by Gil Brandt. You know, the rumors swirling about um, Kyler Murray are, are pretty vast, but I don't think there was anything more poignant and direct than Charlie Casserly coming out and saying in, in, I don't know if he said ever or in 20 years or what exactly he said, but he just absolutely slammed him. He said, I've never heard worse reports from every single team that I talk to about Kyler Murray or, 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 or about a, a leading quarterback prospect. So in other words, a, a first-round prospect, when he inquired, he'd never heard uh, worse feedback. From his leadership to his study habits to his whiteboard work, he said he'd never heard something so bad. So Gil Brandt, a guy from the University of Wisconsin, uh, an, an older guy, he's been around the league for a real long time, um, VP of player personnel for the Cowboys, but he essentially came out and said he thinks that this whole thing is made up by Charlie, Charlie Casserly. Let me just read you this little blurb here. Posting on social media Thursday, NFL.com's Gil Brandt tweeted that Charlie Casserly's Murray, Kyler Murray report sounds fabricated. I'm going to read this, and some of it is what I already said, but just bear with me. In case you missed it, citing anonymous sources, Casserly, infamously dubbed the most wrong man in football by Bill Belichick, which is going to be an important piece later, in other words, Bill Belichick said Charlie Casterly is the most wrong person in football. Casterly slammed Murray's leadership study habits and Whitebird work following the combine. Brandt refutes nearly all of it. Per Brandt, only one team had Murray work a whiteboard. Brandt also said he's known Murray since he was in high school as a sophomore and that any leadership and work ethic concerns would be news to him. It's just more evidence that Casterly's absurd report was a weak hit job on Murray in service of a team that wants him to fall in the draft. All indications continue to be that will not happen. This makes me really, really angry. And I, I know this stuff happens. And the first time I had heard about this was in regard to Mel Kuyper. There were a lot of allegations last year that Mel Kuyper was essentially paid off by agents. So when he goes out and he does his his mock drafts or his top 50 player list, he inflates certain players to try to make it seem as though they're better than they are, and essentially he just gets a paycheck, dance party, he gets a paycheck, or, or some kind of, maybe it's just quid pro quo to some degree. You know, I'll, I'll feed you information, this, that, or the other, whatever. It, it's a furthering of his career or just flat cash. Maybe it's just me, but this is a fireable offense in my opinion. If I employ you, whether it's NBC, Fox Sports, ESPN, whatever, if I employ you to be an expert in this field and to get good quality information and to pump it out, I, yesterday I listed off the guys that get it right and wrong more often because that is valuable. And if I'm, if I'm an employer, I want you to be the top of that list. Not just cranking out garbage. I want you to be at the top of the most, I want to get the most accurate person. I want, you know, I want Ian Rappaport who's plugged in, but I also want it to be accurate reporting. If I get an accusation but that somebody I am employed to is taking compensation to feed lies 
to the American public and also to other teams so that it hurts potential NFL players in the draft or even helps because I don't care. You need to be telling the truth. You will be fired. There's, I don't care that you're the great Mel Kuyper. Who are you? You know how many people are out there putting out top 50 lists? If you're lying, you know what that does to me and my reputation here at this organization? There are people sitting out on Twitter right now who's just rolled out of bed, watched you know, four hours worth of film on some of the top prospects and put up a, a better top 50 board than Charlie Casterly has because Charlie Casterly is just lying doing the bidding of teams. Because Mel Kuyper is just lying, doing the bidding of, of uh, NFL agents or, or uh, college prospects agents. I would fire you in a second. I don't care about the entertainment value. That, that, is, that would be so embarrassing to me. And I'm, I'm angry because I'm trying to do a podcast where I'm providing information. I'm doing a, a, I have an NFL mock draft YouTube channel where I use information provided to me by guys like Charlie Casserly, whose face is on NFL Network every single day, by guys like Mel Kuyper, who are on ESPN, who's, whose face is blasted all over the draft as this great expert that's been doing this for years. He knows every, He's just lying? And that's the information I'm using to try to help people to understand what's going on in the draft. The amount of hours that I put in studying is studying people that are lying to me. I don't think it's a joke. I don't care about the entertainment value. I'm, I'm not here for a soap opera. I'm trying to do a job. And I actually take it seriously. The people that listen to this take it seriously. I would fire them in a second. I wouldn't allow them in the room. And if I'm an NFL team, why would you ever talk to somebody like that? I mean, yeah, maybe he's just a useless pawn that, you know, you, you, you throw a little bit of information at him and you, you just whatever, and you can just use him like a puppet. And he's basically just a doormat to be walked on. And he takes it from teams and agents because, you know, he gets hailed as this great king who gets put on TV with hair and makeup to be some kind of a great expert. These people should be shamed. I don't know how many are doing it. But I, I, I just, I, it's, it's beyond infuriating to me that this could be happening. And, and listen, it has to be happening to some degree because somebody's lying. And, and basically, Charlie Casterly is the only one who comes out and says that thing. Ian Rappaport never said it. In fact, the Cardinals seemed to say that he did a great interview. Ian Rappaport did say that, say, yeah, I, as best as I know, the, the Cardinals loved the interview. And we all just resigned, resigned ourselves to, okay, well, I guess... He did one really good interview and a bunch of other terrible interviews. I don't know what else to think about this. And then you have coaches coming out saying, I've known this guy for a long time. He's a great leader. He's a hard worker. Somebody else came out and talked about how incredibly complex the offense is and the, the, the idea that he wasn't a, a guy that works hard coming in as a freshman and doing the kinds of things that he did doesn't make it. None of it made sense. None of it added up. And Gil Brandt finally just laid the wood down and said, listen, let's just call it what it is. The guy's a liar. Teams are trying to get them to fall so they can get them. So they go to the to the punk in the media, the guy they know they can push around and use as a doormat and say, hey, Charlie, I want you to get on NFL Network and I want you to spew this garbage for me to get them to fall. Like, come on, bud, what do you think? And it just reminds me of NFL Network, at least the last time I watched it, which was years ago, when you have these these legends of the NFL who dress up in, in costumes and act like clowns. It's like how embarrassing what people will do for a paycheck. These guys are set for life, and look what they're doing. They're acting like complete morons. And that's Charlie Casterly, apparently. I'm, I'm sure the guy has put in incredible amounts of work, and he's done a lot of great things, and look what he is now. He's a doormat. He's a punk. He gets pushed around. Teams say, I want you to go lie in front of everybody and destroy your own credibility. And he says, okay. 
man, that just makes me so angry. I'm tired of it. And, and, and it, why is it tolerated? Why does everybody just shrug it off? Like, oh, yeah, you know, some people, they, they take pay and they do this. And I know, sir, I know even guys like Ian Rappaport get fed bad information sometimes to try to, like, deceive and throw up smoke screens. But that, I'm, I'm not saying that he's being lied to. And who knows? Maybe Casterly was just lied to. But it, it's just, it's hard to believe that because everybody else that's talking to people are, are, are apparently saying, I talk to teams and that's not what they're saying. There's a difference between reporting bad reports and, and being lied to and understanding that's just part of it. Sometimes teams are going to feed you garbage. Sometimes they're going to feed you good stuff. But you just put out the information as it is because it's all I've got. I can understand that. What I would not ever tolerate is somebody taking a paycheck or, or taking whatever. You know, maybe just a friend. Hey, you know, we go back a long way, Chuck. How about you do me this favor? I'm sorry. Not going to happen. At the very least, you're suspended. And if, if it happens again, you will be fired. It's just disgusting to me, man. That makes me really upset. So anyways, we got to deal with that nonsense. And again, we know this is part of the process, the smoke screens and stuff, and that's fine. What I don't like is the, is the news that we got last year about Mel Kuyper lying and now Charlie Casterly lying. I, I, I just cannot take either of those guys seriously anymore, and everything they say is just a joke to me. Um, the Antonio Brown um, comp, or trade talks continue to heat up. Um, there was some talk about the Browns apparently doing it, and, and there's some big news coming out of Cleveland, and they're, they're going to offer up some stuff. And I, I had mentioned on here, it just seems ridiculous. Why would the Giants ever trade them? But everybody's saying, oh, no, they're going to do it, they're going to do it, and it didn't make sense, and I was saying they're not going to do it. The Giants were saying they're not going to do it. So th- this report, well, it made me laugh. Apparently the Browns did offer. They offered their right guard, Kevin Zeitler, their defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba, and one other player to the Giants in exchange for Odell Beckham. And apparently the, the Giants literally laughed at them for doing that. It's so funny because that is like the kinds of trades you get in fantasy football where somebody feels like they can just package up like three mid-tier players for your, I mean, it, it for Odell Beckham, right? And they're like, dude, add it up, man. It, 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 technically, it adds up to even a, a bigger number than Odell Beckham. Yeah, except they're going to be on my bench, man. But that the, the Browns and... It's just ridiculous listening to, you know, the teammates and stuff talking about, oh, man, Dorsey's a genius. And I listen, I love Dorsey. I think he's he's always done a good – I don't know why he had such a bad reputation. Maybe it's because he wears that sweater. I don't know what it is. I think he was well-respected in Green Bay. He left to get a GM job with the Chiefs. The Chiefs drafted just brilliantly. He comes to, to, to Cleveland. He has one draft. After years and years of drafting terrible people, after one draft, the team all of a sudden looks like a contender. The guy absolutely should be taken seriously, but, you know, the, the, I don't know. I, and I don't know how privy to information people were, but talking about how this was a genius thing, the Giants were right to laugh at that because that is just ridiculous. Unless the other player was Baker Mayfield, I, I think they were going to laugh at it. Um, some news in regards to free agency, lots of stuff going on um, as far as people getting signed to teams and a lot of other teams not probably getting signed. One one guy that's probably going to be staying... Um, is Olivier Vernon with the Giants. Apparently they were shopping him around, but um, his high contract just made him untradeable. Teams are just not willing to take him on for his current price. So since the Giants aren't getting any compensation for him, they're like, fine, I guess we'll just keep him. So um, I wasn't super high on Olivier Vernon, but he would be a starter. That's that's pretty much what he would be. He would be a starter. That would be an upgrade, and we would solidify one spot. We would still need to draft somebody, but I would have been okay with it. The biggest problem, as I just said, is the uh, massive amount of money uh, as far as the cap. 
and that's what teams just weren't interested in. Uh, another guy that's being shopped around here is uh, Jordan Howard. I know the uh, the Packers are looking at maybe adding some running back depth. Jordan Howard, you know, not necessarily what he was, but I, I, I kind of think, and I, I, I don't know, it's hard to say because there's the Brian Gutekunst version of what a running back should be, but I, I don't know what a Matt LaFleur running back looks like, and maybe he doesn't really care. But the reason that Jordan Howard is being shopped is because he just doesn't fit with Matt Nagy's scheme, which I would assume is relatively similar to what LaFleur wants to run. But either way, Jordan Howard is just a, a between-the-tackles runner. He's just a straight-up running back, and it feels like something Brian Gutekunst would be interested in, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily something that LaFleur would, would ideally want in a running back because he doesn't have that extra dimension. He doesn't have that receiving ability. And interestingly enough, Aaron Jones working on being a receiver is the exact same thing that Jordan Howard did last year when Aaron, when uh, Matt Nagy came over. Matt Nagy came over and said, I need you to be more versatile. I don't want guys that specialize. I don't want a guy that just runs between the tackles and then have another guy, Tariq Cohen, that's that's just a third down back. I need guys to be multiple. So anyways, it, it's an option. Uh, apparently compensation would be in and around a fifth round pick. I haven't heard anything in regards to the Packers being interested. In fact, um, the only team that seems to be tied to Jordan Howard, not because of actual trade talks, but as far as people saying it makes a lot of sense, would be the Miami Dolphins. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if our fifth-round pick was a running back because we do need to draft somebody, and I would expect it to be later. I've talked about the bottleneck in the draft with, with lots and lots of, of mid-tier, you know, fourth and fifth and sixth-round guys that are that are running backs in the massive numbers. Compare that to the teams that aren't interested, it just, again, it creates that bottleneck. So I wouldn't be surprised if fifth or sixth round the Packers invest in a running back anyways. Would you rather use a fifth round pick on a potential prospect in the fifth round, maybe get somebody that's a little closer to what you're looking for, or do you just take a Jordan Howard? And again, if you're just looking for a guy to be a between-the-tackles runner, that's proven to be relatively reliable. He's not elite in any way, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't be my first choice. I'd probably prefer to just draft somebody. But it, it's at least a known commodity, so that's out there, something to think about. Uh, Mr. DRC, Dominic Rogers Cromartie, is coming back. He unretired. No, I'm not interested, but again, a lot of what I'm doing is just letting you know the information so you can make up your own mind. And in fact, I talked about it before, and I'm still interested in doing it, if I can figure out the best way to do it, but it's, it's to almost play a little game. And the way that it would work is to allow you to decide what you would have done in free agency. Now... I thought about doing it now before things actually happen so that, because what's going to happen is the Packers are going to do things and a lot of people are just going to agree with what the Packers did. It would be better to just have people's opinions beforehand, but the problem is we don't know the compensation. So you could have somebody say, I would have taken Antonio Brown and I would have given a third. It's like, yeah, but that's that's cheating, man. You can't do that. So I want to be able to see the compensation. I want Packers fans to be able to see what the compensation was so that they can make up their minds after the fact, seeing what the compensation was to say, you know what, it's worth it. You know, the Bills got Antonio Brown for a second-round pick. I want that. Although I'd probably say it would be pick 30 for the Packers because it wouldn't be 44. The Bills are early second, so that's probably what the compensation... If it is a second, that's probably what I would um, put on it. But I think that'd be a fun little exercise. And then, you know, later in the season, we can I could try to score it out and see how everybody did. We'll see. We'll see. It's a lot of work. It would probably just be an Excel sheet, but, you know, whatever. We'll figure it out. So keep DRC in your mind if you're interested in that. Um, hilariously, the Baltimore Ravens re-signed Nick Boyle to a three-year, $18 million contract. The reason it's funny, um, I actually talked about probably, I don't know, we'll call it a month ago, when I was looking at guys that could be released, and I looked at the Baltimore Ravens, 
The Baltimore Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round. They drafted Mark Andrews in the third round. This is like the poor man's version of TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant for 2018. Mark Andrews is sort of the Noah Fant type. Hayden Hurst would be more the TJ Hawkinson type. They got Max Williams in the second round of 2015. He was so Max Williams was considered the the top tight end in uh, 2015. Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst were arguably two of the top three or four best tight ends in 2018. Nick Boyle was a fifth round pick in 2015. So they got two tight ends in 2015, two in 2018. So we've got first round pick Hayden Hurst. We got third round pick Mark Andrews. And now we just signed Nick Boyle. Max Williams is just sitting out there. He's a free agent right now. They might re-sign him. And if they do, this would be the most ridiculous thing in the history of the universe. But otherwise, Max Williams is very likely available. Now, I've said I'm not super interested in um, looking to free agency for tight ends because we've already done that. But if we can purge some of these guys that we've got and, and maybe not bring back Mercedes Lewis, I personally maybe wouldn't even bring back Jimmy Graham. But but okay, we bring back Jimmy Graham. Let's let's dump the other two veterans. If we bring in Max Williams and then draft somebody, depending on how expensive Max Williams is, I mean, if, if, if Nick Boyle signed a big contract for $6 million a year, I mean, if we can get Max Williams for four... Maybe Max wants six. I don't know. He hasn't been all that productive. But again, he was he was like the top guy. And let's not forget what, what place he came from, Baltimore. It, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mentioned it when I talked about it quite a while ago, that uh, you know, as much as I'm not super in on getting someone in free agency, Max Williams is someone I'd, I'd maybe consider because he's very, very talented as far as his athletic ability. And even though he was drafted in 2015, the guy is 24 years old. So uh, a guy ran a 478, 17 reps on the bench, 34 and a half inch vert, 117 inch broad jump, 437, 20 yard shuttle. Uh, he was a top performer in the 40, the vert, the broad jump, and the shuttle. 6'4", 250, 33 and a half inch arms, 10 and 3 eighth inch hands. You know, if, if he's just brought in his depth, I think that's solid depth. So I, I, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it at all. But it would be, again, predicated on the fact that we're getting rid of people. I, I don't want to have Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks and Max Will. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous to have that many free agent tight ends. Get rid of the guys that aren't doing anything. None of the people I listed, literally zero tight ends, have done anything on this team. Figure out which ones are maybe going to do something, and let's get rid of everybody else. Give Maxi Boy a try. His, his NFL uh, comp- or <laughs> comparison was Jeremy Shockey, by the way. Mike Mayock said he reminds me of Kyle Rudolph. So just something to think about. Again, I'm not super into it, but we do need a tight end and, and the idea that we're absolutely going to get somebody that's a tight end in the draft. I mean, we might get somebody, but um, th- there's absolutely zero guarantee we're getting Fant or Hawkinson. I mean, the, the Jets need him if they trade back inside of, of, you know, the top 10, top 11, whatever. They could end up taking a tight end. Oakland, same situation, probably not, but they could. Uh, Jacksonville maybe could use it. Detroit absolutely could use a tight end. As much as they have other bigger needs, they absolutely could. Buffalo, I already mentioned, could use a tight end. And then if we don't take a tight end at 12, you know, we're talking about what could happen at 30. I mean, the, the, the amount of teams that could use Fant and or Hawkinson. I mean, Hawkinson isn't going to fall, and Fant probably isn't going to fall to 30 either. But anyway, something to, something to thank about. Another guy that's going to be available um, is the wide receiver Pierre Garçon. The 49ers did a lot of work in picking up options and re-signing a lot of people, but they decided to let Pierre walk. I think there's... You, you could make an argument for Pierre Garçon being 
still a viable option. He's uh, 32 years old, going to be 33 this football season. Um, he did not have a good year in 2018, but obviously they didn't have their quarterback. He also didn't play very much. He didn't even play the second half of the season. And uh, it's the second year in a row, so we've got injury concerns with him. Um, but, if, I mean, if you just look back over his, I mean, since, uh, what, 2012, the guys, since he went to Washington, the guy's been a good wide receiver with the exception of 2018. But uh, it's just a matter of him staying healthy. 2012, 400 snaps. 2017, 400 snaps. 2018, 380 snaps. Um, so we're, we're talking about three out of seven seasons. He didn't even play a full a full season. But it's an option. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite option. But again, something to, to, to think about. Uh, finally, in terms of uh, bits of information that are maybe a little bit interesting, there's a report out there that the uh, New England Patriots last year, because there was a lot of talk during the season about... Uh, I think it was was it Michael Lombardi was saying on his podcast that the Packers were shopping uh, Randall Cobb and that he was available. Now, this doesn't necessarily lend credence to that, but it does kind of talk to the fact that there were at least conversations in one direction because apparently last year, at least prior to the season, the Patriots had reached out to the Packers inquiring about trading for Randall Cobb. Obviously, that didn't go anywhere. They decided they were going to keep Cobb and dump Jordy Nelson. My assumption with that thought process would have been because Randall Cobb is younger, we'll see if he can maybe have a really good year, we can extend him, you know, if he can kind of reclaim that former glory. Unfortunately, he didn't, so his chances of coming back are, you know, lessened. But I did find that interesting, and it's kind of unfortunate because you realize as soon as um, free agency begins, if, if there isn't a contract in place for Randall Cobb, which I don't expect there to be, uh, there's probably going to be interest. You know, there, there's there are several teams looking for slot receivers. Um, the Jets, the Lions, the Packers, the Raiders, the Colts, the Broncos, Chiefs, Cardinals, Redskins, Cowboys, Jaguars, Titans, uh, Patriots, Dolphins, all, all these teams right now are out there hunting for, for slot receivers. So as soon as Cobb becomes available, it it's really just goes back to being that supply and demand kind of thing. You have all those teams looking for slot receivers. You've got what? Adam Humphreys, Golden Tate, and then Randall Cobb. I mean, who who else is out there that's a name for slot receivers? There, there might be some, but uh, pretty much it. So very good possibility, unfortunately, that Randall Cobb in 2019 is going to be playing for another team. And unfortunately, fortunately, I mean that that meant to be, that was supposed to be a double. Unfortunately, not not there's nothing fortunate about it. It could be the New England Patriots. They are hunting for a slot receiver still. They inquired about Cobb last year. Ugh, makes me sick. A little bit better than the Bears, I guess. Lions would also be horrible. Hopefully Randall Cobb would say no to that. But um, yeah, anyways, could be a Patriot in 2019. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Lastly, I want to get into uh, a question here. The question was not really about Antonio Brown, but kind of, Uh, even though we know the fate of Antonio Brown now, which by the way, Kyle, talk to your buddy over there in the Facebook group and uh, let him know his his cousin is, is full of it. More than likely, he's full of it and doesn't have a cousin that works where he says he does, but anyways... Let me read the question in its entirety. I know we've beat the Anton- Antonio Brown drum for way too long, but I had a thought. 
Green Bay is not a great destination for free agents, cold weather, and small market. If they do trade for Brown with the 30th pick, would that make other free agents want to come to Green Bay? Would free agents see they are finally willing to pay players and really try to push in for a championship? We need players to want to come here to win, not uh, not not want to go to Green Bay just because they have to overpay. That definitely is an issue as far as getting free agents to come here. Um to answer your question directly, I don't think getting Antonio Brown would help all that much. Um, it, it, it could maybe be a draw in the same way that it's a draw by, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a draw. In that, you know, you could make the sales pitch, dude, look what we've got. We've really got a good chance of winning. And with you, I mean, just imagine, you know, Antonio Brown and da-da-da-da-da-da. You could use Antonio Brown as a sales pitch. Um, but, but, you know, and, and I'm, again, this isn't exactly an Antonio Brown question. That's true of just about anybody, which is a a real good point about getting good players. It's another reason why, you know, elite prospects and players are better than just getting a bunch of mid-tier guys. You can make the same case with LaMarcus Joyner, Earl Thomas, whatever, one of these top-tier safeties. You could use them as a further recruiting tool, and especially since a lot of these guys are going to go early. So let's say on Wednesday the the trade talks are already in the works for Earl Thomas, and by Wednesday night or Thursday morning there's a deal done. The Green Bay Packers are getting Earl Thomas done deal. Starting Thursday afternoon, you start having conversations with with other people. Imagine talking to a pass rusher. Here's what we've got. We've got the 12th overall pick. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to find somebody to play on the opposite side of you. On the inside, you've never had anything like it. Imagine we're talking to Justin Houston. Granted, he did have a very good defensive tackle, but Kenny Clark and Mike Daniel and Earl Thomas roving over the top. And let's not forget who you've got on offense. Unfortunately, it's a tough pitch for Justin Houston because the Chiefs, you know, had a pretty good offense. But you could at least say you're not losing much. You're, you're, you're getting basically the exact same thing, but you're going to be playing on a much better defense. You're going to be playing on a defense that... So yeah, you, you could absolutely use that as a sales pit. The problem is some people aren't going to be sold on it. We're sort of limited in our ability to recruit based on players that just want to win. And unfortunately, that's only as good as, as our ability to win. And with us not succeeding over the last couple of years, and, and, and you know, again... We could talk about, yeah, well, we have a real good chance of winning. We have Aaron Rodgers. But look at how many other teams, you know, the, the, the Patriots, the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the, the Colts, the Eagles, the Bears, um, you know, the, the Texans maybe. The, I don't know about the Steelers anymore. There's a lot of teams that can make a sales pitch about, about winning. And some of them are, are bigger cities. Some of them are warmer weather. You got domes. So it, it, it's tough to compete, and that's just kind of the reality. It's a small town. It's always going to be a small town. It's cold. It's always going to be cold. It's not a dome, so you're going to be playing in the cold, and that's probably the way it's going to stay at least for a very, 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 very long time. So at the end of the day, it, it just comes down to, to business. And I think the, the fact of the matter is that's, that's the reality for most people. I think most players are just wanting to be compensated the way they feel they can be compensated. And I, I really think it's, it's going to go to the highest bidder more often than not. I think the top priority is getting the best compensation, especially for a lot of free agents when we're looking at potentially their last contract. Earl Earl Thomas will probably not be getting another contract unless it's a short one year, two year, whatever. But a lot of these guys are just looking for the best offers. And the Packers, that and that's that's the part where the Packers have been deficient. It, I don't think it's as much that the Packers haven't really been a destination. I think it's more that Ted Thompson isn't willing to pay up and other teams are willing to pay up. So there, there are definitely other aspects, and I've, I've already said, as if I was a player, send me to Tampa Bay. 
Send me to Miami. Send, send me to a warm weather place. Give me the beach. Give me the Gulf of Mexico, man. I would love Tampa. Get me a house in Clearwater. Mm, just, just, just make the compensation comparable. I mean, if the Steelers offered me 12 and a half and the Buccaneers offered me 11 and a half, I'm going to Tampa, man. And there is going to be some of that, but but again, it's it's. Uh, I, I think as we go down the list of, of priorities, people that you're playing with is relatively low. And to get back to the original question, if you talk about guys like Antonio Brown, I, I don't know that it moves the needle that much. You know, all things being equal, if the compensation were equal across the board, we're still battling the fact that we're in, in Green Bay. We're still battling the fact that we're in a small town. And I, I tend to think that there are some people that would prefer that. I don't like the city. I can't be the only person on the planet that doesn't want to move to a big city. The idea of, of playing for the Atlanta Falcons and living in Atlanta just sounds horrible. New York? Oh, that would be the worst. That would be my nightmare. Playing for the Jets or playing for the Giants? Just, just out, ugh, never, never in a million years. Hate the city. I, I'm not even comfortable in Madison. I'm on the outskirts. I'm in the suburbs of Madison, man. I, I don't even like going to, I work downtown. I drive there and I leave. That's it. I don't ever go east of, of my work. Stay over on the west side. I don't like the city at all. So I, I tend to think, for, it just depends on the person. and It's all about salesmanship. And the fact of the matter is, if you're a salesman, your job is to sell it. And if you're selling good products or you're selling bad products, you have to understand what it is you're selling and what your selling points are and use that to your advantage. It's a small town. Small towns have advantages. Sell those advantages. If your team is winning, sell that you're winning. If you're losing, don't talk about that. If you have cap space, use your cap space. Use what you have at your disposal to get the guys that you need. Find out what they want. If you're willing to give them what they want, give it to them. Sell them hard. Get them there, and let's move on. So, again, to kind of answer this more completely, yes, it would help to a minor degree. And I don't even mean necessarily Antonio Brown, because I think that could be as much of a deterrent as it could be a benefit. I don't. I think there's a lot of people watching this nonsense saying, dude, I don't want to work with that guy. But in general, would I ever say that bringing in a massive free agent is a benefit because it's going to help us recruit other people? No, I don't, I don't think that that plays into to my equation at all. I mean, you can use it, but as far as do I want Earl Thomas, if somebody came to me and said, think about it, we could help use that to recruit other people. I mean, that's cool, and we'll use that tool if we get them, but that's not going to help. That's not going to be a reason that I bring him in. So anyways, Kyle from Kansas, thanks again, man. Keep the questions, comments coming in, all you f- fine folks out there. It's Friday. We made it through another week. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. The madness is just ramping up, man. It's just going to get crazier and crazier. We got two moves already. We got a quarterback going to the Washington Redskins. We got AB, the biggest piece that everybody's been talking about, is going to the Bills. And uh, you know you know, Gutekunst and the Packers are working the phones. They're working it hard. So we'll see. We'll see if the Packers make a trade. Uh, as, as I've said, I expect that these, these teams want to get trades done before uh, before Monday, before a lot of these things get started, and definitely before Wednesday, so they know what they're working with. So um, we'll see. We'll see how aggressive the Packers want to be. Hopefully we le- can at least get a taste, and Ian Rappaport leaks a little bit of something to us about, hey, the Packers are really pushing for this guy. Give me something, man. Anyways, enjoy your Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.